doctor like a track star like what like a track star yeah we're just gonna drink wine and shoot the shit mm. let's do it i hit the button we're recording we were we're so, live was i live when i was singing yes Can you cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> well not live but we're recording so all this is going in we just wrapped up another podcast yeah we did yeah. Oh, the kids did. <laughs> the kids did. I'm just kidding. We didn't do a podcast, but the girls did. They are loving it. Yeah. When I was setting up, Braylon was like, can I be on the podcast? I was like, okay. So she hopped on while you was uh, handling business. Yeah. And uh, and we just started going back and forth. And she's a natural at it. She can hold conversations. She starts talking about everything. And then Elena got pissed off because she wasn't invited. So then she hopped on. But... I forgot to add a track for her when I gave her another headset. So. It didn't record. Yeah, it didn't record. You could hear her in the background, but. It's not the same. It's not the same. Uh, I was kind of thinking, it's like, man, I'll probably put this one out just for people to hear and just to get a, a giggle and get uh, all the cuteness out. Yeah. It was funny. So now just they because they start talk about things like so fluidly. Yeah. Um. Especially Braylon, because she knows what she's interested in. Like, she has people she follows religiously. Yeah. Uh, she knows when they post new content, and she's out there looking for it on the days that they post. Um, she's yeah. pretty consistent with it. Yeah, we started talking about YouTube and how she wants to have a vlog and and have her own channel. And then she was talking about how she follows this girl's podcast. And, and the girls that she follows on the vlogs what are they remy cruz and what was the other one alicia marie they fucking have like millions and millions of followers mm -hmm. like one's eight point something million and the other one's two point something it's crazy yeah and they talk about like makeup and just nonsense yeah just everyday stuff one of them's 22 and i i don't know how old the other one is but she looks like she's either she's a good early from 20s what i've read about her she's like seems like a good role model for younger girls to look yeah. up to um like a lot of younger girls follow her on on youtube and stuff well eight million people that's so, a lot of people i don't know and then they have a podcast so that's what she was talking about she, that mm -hmm. she listened that she follows her podcast on mm -hmm. her phone yeah yes our daughter's 10 and seven and they have cell phones um yeah. but yeah she follows her podcast and they listen to it and then she was like i follow your podcast too but i can't listen to it because it's explicit that's right <laughs> <laughs> she's so. asked a couple times to follow prove it for her to listen to our podcast and i'm like no negative no um, because we cuss too much i know and talk about inappropriate things sometimes yes granny called me out yeah, you got yelled at by my grandma. Yeah. So Holly's grandma, who lives in Tennessee, the place I love, uh, She, I guess she listened for, to the podcast for the first time, this the yeah, very so last one. Yeah, so she just randomly hit me up on Facebook, and it was the day our last podcast came out, so last Monday, and she was like, hey, um, Jimmy, finally, so I, my uncle finally showed her how to listen to the podcast, <laughs> I guess. I'm not 100% sure what, how it went down. But she said that he showed her how to, like, listen to it. And she's like, I never realized that you and Robbie had such potty mouths. I'm going to wash y'all's mouth out with soap. <laughs> and I was like, dang, nobody told you to listen to it. <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, 
as I know that I cuss quite a bit. I'm like, I'm aware of that. But after she she called me out, it's been like weighing on me. It's like, like you're man, cognizant of it. Maybe I shouldn't cuss so much. Uh, and I know I cuss a lot because, well, in my opinion, my vocabulary is not very strong. And uh, I don't think I'm a strong conversationalist. Is that the word? It's a word. Yeah. So I'm throwing like <laughs> fucks, shits, and everything else in between to kind of just fill the gaps. And then after she said that and you told me about it, I was like, man, maybe I, I need to cut back a little bit. Like, um, I cuss a lot, but I feel like I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. I, don't I think know. it's more of when I use the words, they're like enhancers to what I'm trying to say. Yeah, sometimes there's no better way to like convey your your emotion. There's always a better or, way, but... Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, and that's what I was going to say, there's no better way than to use a strong cuss word. Like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's out. I think the door's closed. Elena closed it. Mm. We have two dogs, and they're running around the house right now. I know. And we have two cats who share a litter box, and the dogs, for whatever reason which is why you were just concerned right now. Yeah. They love to eat the cat shit. I think that's a common thing, though. Is it? Yeah. It's not uncommon, but it looked like the dog was going into <laughs> the laundry room where we keep the litter yeah. box. And I'll, so I was like, oh, no, it's the laundry. I was like, pause it. Is the laundry room closed? Yeah. So every time the dogs are in the house, we have to go close that door so they don't go in there and eat all the cat shit. I was telling my captain about it the other day. He's like, oh, they're like little snacky treats. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so freaking nasty. Well, Tex, our our Australian Shepherd Pit mix. Yeah. They don't. They say he's not Pit, but I'm pretty sure he's Pit mix. Yeah. When he was a puppy, he used to eat shit. His own. Yeah. He would take a dump and just like turn around, sniff it, lick it, eat it, until we caught him and we had to break him of that habit. I wonder if it was. I like. I thought about this when he was younger, but I wonder if it was because he was a stray, so it was his source of food. I could have been. I, I don't know. Because maybe he just didn't have other sources of food. I mean, he was found with a raccoon. Yeah. So <laughs> He was brought into the pound with a fucking raccoon. Like fighting one. And so he was in like isolation and he had to have like rabies shots. There was like this whole to do before we could adopt him. And we didn't know any of this until we went to adopt him. And they were like, well, we're still waiting on test results. And I'm like, okay, what's the hold up? You told us we could get him days ago. You know, and they're like, okay, well, we're going to tell you the whole story. He got brought in with a raccoon, fighting a raccoon. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this dog that we want was fighting a damn raccoon. Did he, did he say, or did they say that he was fighting the raccoon? Yes. Oh, I don't and he's remember. he's been that stupid ever since. Like, <laughs> he he's is. not gotten any smarter. He's not the smartest dog. He's the, he's a lovable dog, but he's not the smartest dog in the world. Uh I thought he was just like rolling with this raccoon. That's what I picture in my head, right? I picture a Disney movie. <laughs> so like the fox and the hound. Like <laughs> they're just rolling together. Like that, they have no home. So <laughs> they're running the wild and trying to figure life out. They were as probably they just go. playing and people were like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the way Tex plays, it probably is. They were just messing around. <laughs> he was cute when he was little though. He's he still was. cute. He's still cute. He's just, he's a dummy. He's, uh, he has no control over his person. Like, he just runs into stuff, and, like, when he 
wants to get off the couch, he'll just like fall off the couch mm-hmm. instead of stepping off of it like a normal dog. And you're like, hey, buddy, those four legs are <laughs> are made to help you get off of things. And when we try to put him in the kennel for bedtime uh, or when we go to work or whatever, he uh, he, he just, just goes dead weight. Yeah, he literally lays on the ground and he just he becomes limp. Like he knows he's like, all right, well, literally, you're gonna have to drag me in there. <laughs> so every time we have to drag him into his damn kennel and put him in there. Unless he does something bad, then he'll just be sitting in there. Yeah, yeah, that's when you know something's wrong. If they're both just sitting in their kennel, especially Layla, because she's she's a timid dog. So when she does something wrong, she'll run to to her kennel. She's a chewer though. Tex isn't a chewer. Layla's uh, a chewer. Yeah, Layla's a lot worse about it. Tex will still chew some stuff up. Yeah. They say it's just because they get bored, which makes sense because they've chewed up all their blankets and their beds. And Mainly Layla, though. Well, yeah. well, I mean, Tex is starting to chew up the bed in his kennel now, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've always wanted, we got on like this weird tangent, but I've always wanted like a full-blooded Rottweiler. I want a Rottweiler too. I'm just, I'm scared of them. I'm scared to get one while the kids are young. That's, that's They're what I'm scared They're super protective of. dogs, but um, if something happens, they become very aggressive. Yeah. So, and they're stupid expensive. Um, so if you get a full-blooded one, like from Germany where they're bred, um, you're talking thousands of dollars for a puppy. They're from Germany? Mm-hmm. Well, shit. Yeah, and I'm, I'm talking like five six grand for they, a puppy they are expensive um and i mean i would i would pay one to get one like a full-blooded like shit no until we're millionaires um i don't plan on paying for uh a dog or, or that much money for a dog that yeah. and i feel really guilty when there's a bunch of dogs in the, in pound. the pound yeah yeah like I, I never realized that before until we rescued our first dog yeah so so layla or not Layla. Zena. Zena. And mm-hmm. they give you this whole story. and um, Because it was before she went to the pound, right? I don't really... Oh, I was about to say, I don't really remember rescuing Zena, but it's because it was before she went to the pound. Her mom was at the pound. Yes. And then these people started fostering the mom. So, yes. <laughs> I do remember. So, I'll tell that story. Um, I had wanted a dog. We just moved from Las Vegas to San Antonio. We did not even have our house yet. It was still being built. Mm-hmm. Um, we were about to get the keys to our house. Maybe in like a few days, we were still in temporary living, which is like pretty much this shitty hotel on base. Um, and we were talking and I was like, I just want a little lab puppy that we can like raise with the kids. Cause we had just talked about having a baby like trying to have a baby when we got to San Antonio. She was pregnant at the um, time. We didn't know. I was pregnant. I found out <laughs> like, I found out the same day we got Zena. Was it? It was the same day. Yeah. So, um, so that's a different story, but we, um, we pulled up to the, sh- like the class six on base to get gas. That's, and, a, that's a corner store on base. Yeah. And there was a, like a truck there and it said free puppies. And I was like, ooh, look at the puppies. Yeah. <laughs> so we go over there, and they were all black and white labs. And I wanted a chocolate lab. It's just what I wanted. 
Um, and I was like, do you have any brown ones? And they were like, oh, the only one we have is the runt of the litter. And she's just a disaster case. Um, like nobody has wanted her so far. So we just don't bring her out here. Um, she's at our house. But if you want to see her, you can come by later and see her. And I was like, yes, I want to see her. So we went to their house and this lady was like hoarding dogs in her house so that they wouldn't go to the pound. She yeah. had to have like 30 dogs in that house. There were a shitload of dogs in there. And they were all like little puppies. And just, if you know like how a puppy sounds, they were all just like yapping around yeah. and her neighbors had to hate her. Um, when I first saw that, I was like, what? This person's crazy. But now it's, I realize like this the, person has a big heart. <laughs> yeah. Like the story behind it. Yeah. And they brought out Zena and she started like hopping around and chewing on your shoelaces. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, that's it. We want her. Yeah. And so we just fostered to adopt and we got her. And then I got super sick. So we signed the papers that day and it was a three day waiting period to get her shots and like vet us, I guess, make sure that we could like pass the check to get her. Um, because our house was being built. So we had to close on the house before we could get her. So we closed on our house. We signed the papers. We closed on our house like three days later. I got super, super sick. Went to sick call. Well, okay. We closed on our house that morning um, while I was super, super sick. I went to the doctor like as soon as we got done closing on our house. And then at that doctor's appointment, I found that I was pregnant. And so in the same day, we picked up our puppy, found out I was pregnant and got the keys well, to was, our house. It wasn't at the doctor's appointment. It's when we got home and they called you and they're yeah. like, hey, the don't medicine, take any of the yeah, medicine, the medicine we, we just gave you, don't take it because you're pregnant. So it's like, oh, snap. <laughs> so, this yeah. is crazy. So in the span of one day, we got the keys to our the first house we ever owned, Yeah, uh, a brand new puppy and found out I was pregnant. Yeah. And here's my bragging point because you, you had the IUD, which... <laughs> People that don't know what an IUD is, it's just a plug. End of a JJ. <laughs> yeah, it's just a form of birth control. Yeah. Uh-oh, see, there go the dogs. Uh -oh. The cat's running the by. The cat's behind the couch. Yeah. Hold on, let me go kennel him real quick. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell the story. So, uh, so Holly got her IUD taken out, and Elena, <laughs> she was conceived the very next day. Gotta say, I did pretty good. That or we're just fertile as shit. Yeah, I, I take round two for that because that happened twice with Elena and Dallas because um, with Elena, um, I got my IUD taken out. And what I didn't know about an IUD was that they tell you Layla. Um, is once you get it, they're like, oh, it's... A permanent form of birth control, like all the things that come with it, you know, um, you're not going to have a period, you're not going to have all these things, you're not going to have to take a pill every day, you're just going to roll with it, it's good for up to five years, and then you just have it replaced and go on about your day. And so we decided we wanted to try to have a baby, and so I talked to the lady at the obstetrician, and I was like, hey... I want to have my UD taken out. And she's like, okay, well, I suggest you take it out now because it normally takes women anywhere from six months to 12 months after removal to get yeah. pregnant. I remember she was like, don't get down on yourself. And I was like, so sad. Yeah. I was like, oh man, like we wanted to get pregnant really fast. And she's like, you know, it sometimes takes people like a couple of years after having an IUD removed. 
And so I was like, okay, well, we're not going to try, but we just won't not try either. You know, we'll just like do our thing. And then. That means lots of sex. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, yeah, my date of conception was actually the day of my ED removal. Was it the day of? The day of. Damn, I'm good. And then with, (laughs) with Dallas, um, they pinged my date of conception before my IED was removed, which isn't even feasible. Damn, I'm really good. <laughs> so I don't know how um, that makes sense or how it works. So it had to happen like literally yeah, so within we're just, days of it being removed. We're extremely fertile people. So <laughs> when Dallas was born, I was like, tie that shit up, cut it up, yeah. clip it, sear it, set it on fire, do all the things you have to do. And... Then they wouldn't because they had to get your permission. That was so stupid. Like, we're yeah. done. We have four kids. We're done having kids. But you were, by the time, you were 25, right? Um, In 2015. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 25, going 25. on 26 maybe. Yeah. So you're still really young by the time you had. So it was your third kid, but together it was our fourth kid. Yeah, and the lady, gosh, she made me so mad. Well, that was a whole, that was a disaster of an OB experience because... Number one, the OB I saw, there was like signs all over her office about how she did not believe in birth control and she would not prescribe birth control and she would not offer condoms to anyone. And if you believed in any of that, you need to change OBs. So it was all based off her beliefs. Off her beliefs, yeah. Which shouldn't be a thing. Okay, then don't practice OB. Like, you know what this is, you know what this is a doctor for. It's for babies and not having babies like that's kind of what this whole get up is for like i could see if that's your beliefs fine but a doctor that should not like then go practice something else but that's besides the point so that was my doctor and i fought and fought and they finally changed my doctor i got a different doctor she was really good i enjoyed the next doctor i got um and then i went in and i was like i want my tubes tied after i have this baby they sent me through this whole questionnaire of like, what are you going to do if your husband leaves you tomorrow? And I was like, well, I'm still going to have four kids. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know why this is even a question. Um, like him leaving me isn't going to absolve me of having children. So I don't know like why this is a question. Yeah. Um, like me as Holly, like me as a person, I'm done having kids. I don't want to have any more. Um, and then they had to get your permission, which like I see it, but it also really pissed me off that that was a that was a thing that yeah. it, that I needed your permission to have something done. Yeah. Um. So we kind of went back and forth, and then I was like, whatever, like just do the thing. So they had you sign the papers, and then another thing that irritated me, and this is all military stuff. So like I can see how the civilian world. Yeah, yeah. So this is all done on the military side. I don't know if like, it'd be any different. Yeah, if it's different on the civilian side, but um, then they wouldn't do it at the time of childbirth. Which was also really annoying to me. Yeah. Um, like, while you're all up in there already, just, wouldn't it be easier just, just to it do out. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. I thought that was like standard practice, how they. So normally did. it is, but they wouldn't. So Dallas was born March 5th, and I could not have the surgery until June 5th, three months later, March, April, May, June. Yeah, I had to wait 90 days. So 90 days to be exact, on June 5th, I had the surgery to have. Um, to have my tubes tied. Yeah. Um, and then just because of complications with the tubal and all that this year, I had to have a, a uterine ablation, which was miserable to, which is essentially where they just send a balloon up inside your, you know, no bits and 
send boiling hot water and set you on fire from the inside. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that sounds horrible, but that's essentially what it is. It does sound horrible. It, it was pretty horrible. But, but I recovered quickly. Yeah, you did. You've recovered quickly from everything. Yeah. I think the worst hang-up you've had was when you had your tonsils taken out. Oh, man. Which is... Ooh, that was... <laughs> the older you get, the worse it is. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure why that is. It's because your tissue grows. And so the older you get, the more tissue they have to remove. Yeah. So when you're young, your tonsils are small. And when the older you get, the more your, the more tissue they have to remove to get your entire tonsil. That makes sense. Because um, I got my tonsils taken out when I was in eighth grade. And that that hurt. So yeah. I was, what, 12, I guess, yeah. 13, maybe. Um, and that shit hurt. I remember my mom telling me, it's like, oh, it's not going to, it's going to be no big deal. They take them out. You'll be eating cookies afterwards. I was like, okay, cool. That's not bad. I come out of, uh, oh, and they also told me, like, if, if you're hurting, we'll give you some medicine so it doesn't hurt anymore. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Give me some drugs, right? So I come out of surgery and so I'm, I'm scared because... Like, I can't swallow, and it hurts, and it hurts. Like, I can make the motion to swallow, but if I do that, I'm in so much pain. Yeah. So I was doing everything I could to not swallow, to not make that motion, because it would cause so much fucking pain. And I'm 13 years old, so I'm like, and I couldn't talk. So I, my mom's right there when I, when I wake up, and I tell her, <laughs> or I wrote it down, or I made the motion, but I was like, give me the medication to make this stop hurting. And then they were like, well, there's no medication to to make it stop hurting, right? And I'm so young, they can't inject me with anything or whatever, at least from what I was told. And there's no way they're going to give me a pill because I can't, can't fucking swallow. swallow. And then my mom's like, here, you want some ice chips? It's like, no, I, I don't want fucking ice, ice chips. chips. I wish the ho- somebody <laughs> shove an ice chip on a hospital's ass. No, like, I want this to stop hurting. You said it wasn't going to hurt. And if it did hurt, you were going to give me some medication. What the fuck? So they completely lied to me, the doctor and my mom. To top it off, and just so we're clear, my mom's a great mom. <laughs> but to top it off, I, and I don't remember if it was a few hours after that or maybe the next day that I got released from the hospital. Uh, but when we got released from the, or when I got released from the hospital, we went to a restaurant. Oh, what an ass. We went to a restaurant and it was my mom, my grandma was there, my mom and, and me. Well, they wheeled me out. They put me in, into the car and I was back there. I was still all fucked up. Uh, oh, so I guess it was immediately after the, or not immediately after, but sometime after surgery. Cause I was still like all drowsy and shit. And, uh, I, I was in the car and we drove to a restaurant and then my mom was like, come on, you don't want to get down. I was like, I can't talk. I didn't want to go anywhere. I couldn't fucking walk. My mom and my grandma got off and they went in there to go get food. Just left you I was car. just in the car. <laughs> I don't know how long it went by. I don't know if they sat in the restaurant and ate or if they just went in there. They probably did. <laughs> ordered some food and then brought it back and then we went home. But, we went to a fucking restaurant after my surgery when I was all fucked up. Like in my mind, I'm thinking like a Chinese buffet. I don't know why. <laughs> like, that's probably not what it was at all. No, I think it was uh, <laughs> L&J's in, in El Paso. Um, so, like, one of the more famous restaurants in El Paso. And it's kind of like a, a mom and pops deal. Um, I think so. I don't remember exactly which one it was. But, yeah, yeah. So, when I got my tonsils out, I think, like, the key takeaways that I remember was... And if you have kids, like, this will ring true to you. But 
So maybe on day like three or four after my tonsils, I was starting to feel a little bit better. And I mean, I had lost like massive amounts of weight. You lost a lot. I couldn't of eat or drink. Um, I was in, I mean, probably the worst pain of my life. Like I would say it was worse than like after childbirth, uh, the pain I was in from the tonsils. And, um, well, cause even after childbirth, you were up and walking around and you were, yeah, but I mean, I couldn't get out of bed. Like I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink water. I was just miserable. I couldn't even take the pain medication cause they gave me liquid morphine which is like drinking rubbing alcohol on a throat that is like tore open because they just cut that shit out with a scalpel and then sear it. So it's like pouring rubbing alcohol on an open fucking wound and hoping it doesn't hurt. It's like every time I would take my medicine, I would almost black out. So it just wasn't worth it to take the medicine. Yeah. Um, but for those of you that have kids on like day three or four, the kids wanted me to give them a bath and I was like, okay. So I like get out of bed and I go in there and I'm like washing Elena's hair in the bathtub and she gets out and she stands on the edge of the bath and I'm telling her like, like don't jump. And I can like barely talk and she jumps off the edge of the bath onto the floor. But when she jumped, her head hit me right in the throat. Oh yeah. I remember and that. I straight black the fuck out. Like I fell to the floor. Um, and I was, like, back at ground zero. <laughs> um, and that, like, oh, I was done after that. I was, like, I just – I and people now, they're, like, oh, I want my tonsils removed because uh, – and I'm, like, no, you don't. Like, just – Because you were unless in pain it's for medically, a couple weeks. Unless it's 100% medically necessary. Like, your doctor is telling you, you have to have this surgery. Don't do it. Because yeah. it's – and I tell people that as well. Like there are certain things that I've gone through because I thought it was what was best. Like I thought I was smarter than the doctors, you know, like just Holly me and Holly, like getting my tonsils removed because I used to get tonsil stones really bad and I would get strep throat a lot. And my doctor was like, you should just get your tonsils removed. It's no big deal. Like you'll be better in two or three yeah, days. No, no big deal. No big deal. Um, and I think I lost like, probably 25 or 30 pounds. You lost a lot. Um, I was down for about almost two weeks. I mean, it was miserable. Um, and that's just because you weren't eating I couldn't eat anything. or drink. Yeah. Um, I was withering away. Yeah. Like literally. And then. Did you um, say little really? Literally. Literally. <laughs> and then natural childbirth. Oh. Like just don't do yeah. it. Like don't be a fucking hero. Oh it's, it's not worth it. Yeah. So that's Elena. Uh, our, our Elena on both of them. Our, she almost killed me. Yes, our first child together. We, uh, you had her naturally, not by choice. No, I know not by choice. <laughs> but when you first got pregnant with her, you wanted to have her naturally. Yeah, and I was like, no, you're gonna get drugs. Well, I had always, I had always wanted to have a natural childbirth. Um, I even wanted to with Braylon, but Braylon. So with her, I contracted swine flu while pregnant. Um, and they told me I couldn't have a natural childbirth with her because I had to be on a certain kind of medication mm -hmm. when I went into labor. So there was no way I could go into a natural childbirth with her. Um, like they would have stopped my labor should I go into natural childbirth to push these meds through, um, which is what they did. And with Elena, I wanted to go into a natural childbirth um, and you know, I thought like for me, I, I would like to think I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Like 
I can go through a lot of pain. I can, um, I'm a pretty strong individual, like mentally. Um, and I think, a, I think a lot of people think that, but for me, I've just been through a lot of things. I just, I don't think that I'm a pussy. I feel like I'm on a, a different level than a lot of people. And I know that sounds cocky, but it's not. I just feel like I've gone through a lot of things for me to have that opinion of myself. So for natural childbirth, I was like, I just want to experience it. <laughs> and then when I experienced it, I tell people, don't be a fucking hero. Mm-hmm. Like, just get the drugs. Like, yep. somebody created that. For a reason. And just take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and there's breathing exercises and there's all this stuff you can do. And, and granted I was lucky. So when I was in labor with Braylon, they stopped my labor. They injected the meds that I needed. I, um, and I was in labor with her for right at four hours from first contraction to birth. Oh no. Right at six hours with Braylon. And that's right at six hours. Uh, cons- like in comparison to a lot of births, that's still pretty fast. Yeah. That's really fast. Um, and with Elena, from first contraction to birth. An hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> An hour and 20 Every minutes. Every time I tell people that story, I feel like I'm just talking shit and over-exaggerating and making stuff up. But no, it was literally an hour and 20 minutes from the minute that your first contraction hit or the first contraction that you felt to Elena being birthed. Yeah, so I try to tell people like when I when I try to explain that I have a high pain tolerance and and why I think that it comes down to my birth with Dallas. And so going back to Elena, I'll get to like why I say that when I get to my birth with Dallas. But with my birth with Elena, um, I went to the restaurant before the day before with my friend Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. Um, and we went to which one you know a lot of Nicoles. Nicole Burris. <laughs> In San Antonio. Um, and we... What's that restaurant in San Antonio? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But I got eggplant parmesan. Um, Cheesecake factory. Mm-mm. Johnny Carino's? Johnny Carino's. Um, place is horrible. No, it's not Johnny Carino's. It's the one right there at 410 and 151. Is it Johnny Carino's? Yep, that's Carino's. Yeah. If it's still there. Um... I'm surprised. By Chili's? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that place is trash. But anyways, I got eggplant parmesan because it's supposed to send you into labor. And I was so done with being pregnant with Elena. I was miserable as a person. Everything you could. Um I walked like five hundred flights of stairs. Like I'm telling you, up and down the stairs in my house five hundred times. I went on a hike through um some park in San Antonio for like four miles. And I'm I'm telling you I was forty weeks pregnant at this point. Um, I went in a eggplant parmesan. You took the the oil. I drank castor oil. <laughs> I you sat upside, sat upside down. down <laughs> yeah, all these things for days, and I my labor would not start. And finally, after like days, I was like, "Fuck this!" Like she's gonna come on her own time, and like I'm done with it. Like whatever. So a couple days passed, and we were all home, which was really weird that we were all at the house because. That's that was an unforeseen time that all of us would be there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, hey, do you just want to order pizza for dinner tonight? My favorite. Uh, we ordered pizza online and I sat up from the couch to put the laptop on the coffee table. 
And whoo, buddy, I felt like somebody punched me straight in the no-no bits. And you played it off like it was nothing. And I thought I was just having a Braxton Hicks. And I was like, and you were like, oh my God, let's go. Let's go to the hospital. And I was like, no, I think it was just Braxton Hicks. I'm going to just go hop in the shower and like, like, let's see if I can breathe this out. Right. And like, let's see what's going on. So I go take a shower. I'm shaving my legs. <laughs> like all the things that women do when they're about to have a baby. Right. So our bag was already packed. The car seat was in the car. We were ready to go. We just had to get in the car and drive really far to the hospital. <laughs> yes. Um, so I like shower and then I got out of the shower and I couldn't walk. Um, my contractions were minutes apart, like two minutes apart. And I was just laying on the bed and he's like, you got to get up and get dressed. So I got up and I put on some clothes. Well, it's not like you came and told me anything. I was just like, you on went the bed. from the shower straight to the bed. I was and I'm like, man, it's, it's been like 15, 20 minutes and she hasn't came out yet. I'm gonna go see what's up. And as soon as I walk into the and room. And he says that because I take extremely fast showers for a girl. Like just throwing that out yeah. there. I walk in there, you're curled up in the fetal position on the bed. I was hurrying. I was, well, yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> Yeah, so but that's when I was like, "Oh shit, we gotta go, we gotta go." So Braylon was five at no. three at the time. Three. Uh, let's see. So tw- yeah, she was she was two, about to turn three. Um, and so we put her in the car. We put me in the car, and we're driving in downtown San Antonio traffic, trying to get across town from 1604 and Petrenko area to Samsi, which is at. I-10 and... I-35. I-35. Yeah. So, like, all the way across the city. So, we get there. We drop Braylon off with the lady who's going to watch her. My friend, Nicole, again. Yeah. Um, And yeah. I'm literally like, get out of the car. I love you. Bye. Um, We go to the hospital. Robbie takes me to the doors. And he's like, okay. Like, I'm going to go park the car. Just go inside. I'll be right there. I waddle upstairs and all this is in the span of like an hour, an yes. hour time. Um, I waddle upstairs and I just tell the lady like, Hey, I'm in labor. You need to put me in a room. And I'm like very coherent. Like I'm having normal speech. Like I'm not arguing. I'm not breathing heavy. I'm not. Well, well you could, you could tell that you were I was struggling. In pain. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just, and she's like, Oh, just have a seat in the waiting room. Or no, she says, what birth are you on? And I said, this is my second child. She's like, oh, just have a seat in the waiting room. Like, we'll get you in in a minute. And I was like, no, like, I am going to have this baby right now. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, just have a seat. And I'm like, ma'am, right now, I'm going to have this yeah. baby. So she's like, okay. Like, rolls her eyes, all pissed off. So she goes, puts me in a room, puts the monitors on me, and then just leaves. Yep. Just straight up leaves the room. And I was like, sitting there, and I was fucking miserable yeah and i'm like please go find a doctor so he walks out and in the span of like i don't know 10 seconds flat we go from no one being in our room to like 25 people well, being in there so no yeah so it was me and you in the room it felt like that yeah it was like that <laughs> because me and you were in the room and you're in pain and you're like hey go find me a doctor because this baby is coming out so I'm like, okay, I'm rushing around. I'm finding a doctor. It's like, hey, can I get somebody in here? And then the doctor strolls in all casually. And then she, was it a she? I think it was yeah, a she. Yeah, it was a she. She's like, okay, let's see what we have here. And then as soon as she looks in your vajayjay, she's like, we're having a baby. 
And then that's when it was like in 10 seconds, the room was just flooded with nurses and doctors. And, and I was like, oh, shit. So I'm like, I take my position right next to you on the side of the bed. I was telling them like, like the baby's coming. There's nothing. And I was like, I want meds. And they're like, nah, bro. Like, yeah. Well, start pushing. Well, I mean, if you see it from there, they probably hear it all the time. Like the baby's coming right now. Yeah. And then 24 hours later, the baby's born. Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, like, no, it was right there. And the like when you started pushing to when Elena was out was a, just it a was few seven minutes. minutes yeah. it was, so seven minutes. It was quick. From the time you got into the bed to when Elena was born was probably 15 minutes. Yeah. Maybe. It was fucking crazy fast. how fast it But went. I will say my recovery from not having meds was stupid fast. Yeah. Because literally after I had her, I, I stood up and I walked and I pushed her bed to my recovery room. Yeah. Um, yeah, you recovered like... The next day like I was you fine. Didn't, like you didn't I even mean, have a baby. I still had like all the nasty parts that come with having a baby but um like physically like the yeah. next day when people came over to the house i was up showered like yeah, dressed i was fine but you were a youngster too you was, yeah i was a little baby yeah um no and then so the part we skipped over was once you started pushing you were like can i get some drugs and then the doctor was like, uh, it's too late for that, honey. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was like, absolutely. Not. I was like, oh, shit. I was just in so much pain. There was a time where I just like completely gave up. I was like, I just can't do this. I, like, I'm done. You know, during this entire time, like, I just feel bad because there's really nothing I can do to take your pain away, right? I'm just there to try and comfort you and like, hey, yeah. you got this and cheer you on. And uh, so I was there the entire pregnancy. And uh, I, it doesn't phase, I don't know if it's just, I, I don't know. The pregnancy didn't phase me. The birth didn't phase me. I know some dudes pass out and they're like, oh my God, I can't watch. I watched everything like, and yeah. it was perfectly fine. And at one point, uh, when you were pushing, you could see the top of Elena's head and she had a, a head full of hair. She came out with a shitload of hair and uh, it was just the very top of, of, of her, her head that you could see. I was like full up crowning. No. Well, yeah. What's crowning when the head comes like, out? No, like when the whole f top of their head is showing. Okay, yeah. So just the top of her head was showing just like a few centimeters. And then <laughs> and then you tell me, this side, this is what I felt really bad. You were like, can you just pull her out now? <laughs> I was like, babes, you got a lot to go. <laughs> you have like a whole baby. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, um, she can't get pulled out. Like, you got to push. Like, there's a bit, like, I felt pain but that was pain like oh man but the thing with childbirth is like and this sounds so stupid even saying it is it's such intense pain and I remember feeling the pain yeah but I don't remember the pain if that makes sense I get that yeah like I remember I the, mean I don't understand it but I, I know what you're trying I to say. remember the pain from my tonsillectomy like I remember how that felt yeah I don't remember how it felt in childbirth. And then as soon as your baby's born, the pain's just gone. Yeah. Like it doesn't slowly subside. It's just like such intense pain so fast and then it just goes away. Yeah. And it's it's like, I don't know. It's so crazy. <laughs> but so caveat to that. So Elena's born. She's super healthy. Great child. Crazy hairy. Yeah. Um, looks like a little monkey. Love her to death. She's a mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> she just ran in the room when I said that 
I was telling the story of how you was born. <laughs> and then Get some water and go for there. And then so fast forward two years to when we decide to when we decide we're gonna have another baby. Um get my IUD out again. Boom, nail it. First Sa- shot. <laughs> same ordeal, like pregnant again right away. Um that one my pregnancy was a little rougher. I was sick a lot with Dallas. Thought for sure she was a boy. I, her, my pregnancy with her was different with was different on all accounts than with Elena and Braylon. So Elena and Braylon, my pregnancies were pretty similar. Um, Dallas, everything was different. Yeah. Um, and so I thought for sure it was a boy. Nope, there it was, girl again. Like we have boys in my family. Get out of here. Um, so. Dallas was born, and my doctor's like, look, dude, there's no way we can let you go in labor. You're going to have a baby on the highway trying to get to the hospital. So we're just going to have to induce you. Um, And I kind of fought back on it for a while. I was like, I don't want to be induced. I want to have her naturally with drugs. Like, I want to go into natural labor, but I want drugs. So give me the drugs. (laughs) So I tried to transfer to a hospital closer to our home. Try to go that route, like, hey, because of all these extenuating circumstances, can I just go to a hospital that's closer, that's not a 45-minute drive from my house? Um, TRICARE denied that, like, unless there's beds. If there's beds at SAMHSA, you can't transfer out. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, we go. And it ended up, like, the only way around it was to get induced. So... They set my induction and they were like, okay, we're going to bring you in at six o'clock in the morning and we're going to start you on Pitocin. So we're like, okay, and that's the drug that like pretty much starts your contractions or like, I don't know if it starts your contractions, but it sends you into labor. I'm not sure hundred percent what it does. I'm not a doctor, but you go in and they start me on the medicine and I'm just fine all day. And I'm annoyed because I'm tired of sitting in the hospital bed. You can't get up because you're on these stupid ass monitors. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to lie. I was bored too. Like the, God, the birth was, with Elena set me up for failure because I go in there thinking, all right, this is going to happen right away. Yeah. <laughs> and then seven hours later, we're like, oh. So we're sitting there and, and I tell people like, people ask how long was I in labor with Dallas? And I tell them that it was fast. Like the labor with, the, the active labor with Dallas was like an hour. For, so from the point where you were feeling it, when she came out was fast yeah so we like go through and the doctor came in at like 3 p.m and this is where my story starts with my high pain tolerance levels is um the doctor comes in and she's like okay like do you think you're ready to start pushing and i was like no i'm not feeling shit this is stupid (laughs) like i'm annoyed and i want to go home like can we try this again tomorrow and she's like, what do you mean? You're having contractions every two minutes. Big contractions. <laughs> Big contractions. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, why are you arguing with <laughs> they me? They show you that, like, that this, <laughs> paper or whatever. It's like, like peaks and valleys. <laughs> like, this is my body. Why are we having this argument? <laughs> Even I was like behind the doctor's shoulder, like, you're not feeling this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so she started showing me the paper. And she's like, oh, no, you're having one right now. And I'm like... No, I'm not. I'm clearly having a conversation with you right now at normal tone, and I'm having nothing. She's like, dude, you're fucking nuts. Like, how are you not feeling this? People are dying at this point, like begging anesthesia to come in. And I'm like, I got nothing for you. Like, she's like, have you already had your epidural? I'm like, no, I'm annoyed. I want to go home. That's when the pain began. Like, 
can you send me home? And she's like, no, you're going to have a baby at any minute. I cannot send you home. <laughs> and so ultimately, which is what happened with all three of my childbirths, she's like, hey, I'm going to break your water. Um, and then we'll see what happens. And I was like, whatever. Oh, yeah. That was a weird thing with Elena. Like your water didn't break naturally. My water didn't break with any of the girls. Yeah. So she came in and she broke my water. And holy cannoli, did I start feeling those contractions when she started, when she broke my water. Yeah. So she broke my water. And the minute it broke, I started feeling the contractions. And from that minute, uh, it took about, about, I think, 52 minutes before Dallas was born. So when was the... Um, and at that minute, before she broke my water, I asked her, I said, can I have anesthesia before you break my water? Or can I get it once my water's broken? And she's like, well, let's just see what happens after I break your water. And I was like, no, no, no. Uh, no. Um, I want the drugs. I'm not being a hero again. We've been through this one time. Yeah. I want the drugs. So she's like, we'll break your water and anesthesia will be up here. So as soon as your water's broken, we'll start the epidural. Um, that was a nightmare. Anesthesia did me wrong on my epidural. I gave up completely on anesthesia. Yeah, that's when you knew it was bad. So when they tried to give you the epidural, it took five attempts before you got it. So they, they stuck the landing on the fifth attempt, but that's jabbing a needle into your spine five fucking times. And that's because a different anesthesiologist came in and did yes. it. Yes, so like uh, lead but, anesthesia. But I gave up. I said, I'll have her natural. Please stop. That's when I was like, oh, shit. This is bad because you've been through natural childbirth and you're like, I'll just have her naturally. The pain was so bad from them poking me in the back because that shit hurts. Yeah. Like it is. Oh, man. Like that shit. It. I remember what that feels like. Yeah. I've had, and it's I, oh. like, nothing compared to you, but I've had the spinal. It's like, it's like a spinal tap. It's uh, the same thing. And that was it. It wasn't pleasant. Yeah, but it's like that. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it's pretty much the same thing. They stick the catheter in and the medicine starts flowing in. Yeah. And it numbs you from a certain point down, like right. from that nerve down. Um, and at that point, when the anesthesiologist couldn't hit it, I was like, please stop. Like, I I would rather have her natural than have you keep doing this. Um, well, I mean, the thing about SAMC, it's it's a great hospital. It's got everything you need. They're but it's like training. state of the art, but it's a training hospital. Yeah. And that's what was happening with this anesthesiologist. Yeah. He was in training. Yeah. And then they brought the next, so three different ones. So the one that was in tra training and then the one that was, I guess. The resident. The the res oh, the resident. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you were like, oh, that's it. I'm done. And then the lead anesthesiologist, she came in. She was like, hey, just let yeah. me try once. Like, almost and I told her no at first. Yeah, she almost reassured you like, hey, I got this. Uh, and I was like, no, you don't, because my back fucking hurts, and you're not going to fuck this up. It it was like an episode of Grey's Anatomy, because she, <laughs> like, had this cool about her that just, like, made you feel comfortable. It was like, she's a badass. Yeah. And then, sure enough, like, 10 seconds, just, whoop. Yeah. All right, you're done. And because when you get an epidural, you get a zinger. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, you played yeah. football, so you know what a zinger is. Yeah. But when an epidural hits, it's because it's like a jolt in your nerves you'll get a zinger down your left side. So when he kept doing it, I, w I wasn't getting the zingers, but I kept feeling the pain. And I was oh. like, please stop, please stop. Like, you're not getting it. And when she got it, as soon as she hit it, I was like, Bzzz! and I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> and then it was good. Um, but with Dallas, they were like, all right, push, push, push. And then there she was. And But I mean, 
she did my epidural perfect. She gave me the perfect amount of medication because um, I was numb from only like belly button to knees. Like I could still feel my toes. Yeah. Um, and then like right away, probably like within an hour or two, I wasn't numb anymore and I was good to go. I could walk. You know, what I find like really impressive, uh, and this is on the doctor's behalf, like you already did the amazing stuff, but after having the spinal tap, spinal puncture, whatever they call it. Um, so when they did mine, it was all by a machine. So they had an x-ray, they knew exactly where to put the needle and you know, how deep to go with your with your epidural. It's like they're eyeballing it. Yeah, but it's very different because in a spinal tap, they're removing fluid. Yeah. So in yours, they're taking spinal fluid out. In mine, they're just putting medicine in. That's still... Because in spinal fluid, you have to get down into the, right. the lumbar. Yeah. But for me, they just have to get into the into the veins and be like, whoop, there's yeah. some medicine. Still crazy. Yeah. They told me, they're like, if you start feeling shocks, uh, let us know because <laughs> we need to back up. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but when I got my, my spinal tap, the worst part about it was the anticipation of getting it. Yeah. I had no idea what to expect. They tell you like, hey, this is what could happen. This is what can go wrong. But usually it's okay and recovery is easy. It's like, fine. But it's still, you see the fucking needle that's going in your back and it's not tiny. It's not skinny. It is fucking humongous. You know what I thought was really hard for you was laying on your stomach because you find that so wildly uncomfortable. Like, uh, it doesn't bother me to lay on my stomach, but it really is uncomfortable for you to lay on your stomach. Yeah. It's, you have to lay there for two hours after you get the spinal tap. It, so it hurts me when I, well, yeah. So it hurts when I lay on my stomach for too long. And I think, I don't, this is just me thinking, I've never had like any doctor or physician or anybody tell me like this is the case, but I just think my spine curves a lot deeper than regular people. You should go to the chiropractor. Like at the bottom of your, of your spine, you know how it's, so if you're looking at it from a side angle, it's kind of like a question mark. Yeah. So at the bottom, I think mine goes in further than what most people does. Have you ever been to a chiropractor? No. We should go. Yeah. Fix me up. Maybe I'm just crooked like Forrest Gump. I'll run faster afterwards. Uh, but Man, yeah. when I found the chiropractor, it changed my world. Uh, For real. So people say that chiropractors are not real doctors and it's just a hoax. Well, <laughs> you should go and check it out for yourself. Right. So Make for me, like when I went to the one here, she does the Patriot Act. So it's like, it's free care. And when she typed up my care plan, it was like $13,000 worth of care that she gives for free. Um, and so she'll give you like your own personalized care plan. And she'll tell you if you meet the Patriot Act or if you don't. And if you don't, then you don't go back. But you have yeah. to pay for your x-rays, which I think costs like 200 bucks. Uh, but it was worth it. So you pay for the x-rays. And she'll tell you, like, this is your spine compared to a regular spine. And this is why you need chiropractic care. This is why you don't. And if you don't, you don't. But if you do, she'll show you, like, compared to a normal spine. And I had all my shit sent over to base. So I was like, can you take all that and your care plan and fax it to base with your prognosis? Put it in my medical records. Yeah. Because you can't have any of that. Like, if I'm like, hey, I have back pain and you have no diagnosis for it in your medical records... None of that shit counts. So I'm like, fax it all over. Put it in my medical records. So it's all in my medical records. Dr. Omwango was like, did you start going to a chiropractor? I was like, yes, sir, I did. Can't be you have all the dropping records. on here. Ah, he's my doctor. 
fucking chiropractors. I don't know. I want to try one. Just I don't I really want, like I don't want to go through the hassle. It's really not. I mean, it's 200 bucks for the x-rays, which is kind of steep. But it's a good um, chunk of change. I don't know. I really like the one here because one I do stem, which is like the like the muscle shocks around your spine. So yeah. she'll put the there's four stems. Well, you can do like a bunch of different things depending on what you need. Um, and I do laser treatment because my muscles get inflamed around my shoulders because I carry stress really bad in my shoulders. So I do laser on my shoulders and then I do stem, two top, two bottom. So two on my lower back because I get a lot of pain in my lower back. And then two on the top because I carry stress there. And then I get realigned. Um, but she also has this thing, which I think is really cool. I've never used it, but I always wanted to. I don't need it, so there's no reason for me to use it. But for people who have um, like curvature in their spine, she pretty much hooks them up on like this pulley and she puts them at the top of the bed and she hooks the thing up to the pulley and it goes around their waist like this Velcro and it like slowly pulls them down the bed and it's like pulling their spine. This sounds like some Fifty Shades of Grey shit. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but then she has like a... I don't know. She has Isn't all that these like cultures. the same concept as when people hang upside down to mm-hmm. like realign their Except spine? Except you're laying on a bed doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Chewy has one of those. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I'll, I can't do those. It makes all the blood go to my head and it gives me a headache. Yeah, me too. I almost fucked myself up like just trying it out. out. <laughs> Did you fall off of it? No, I was like, I was stuck and uh, I, could, I couldn't get out. <laughs> Chewy, helped, Chewy had to help me out. Yeah. Yeah, those things are dangerous. It's a... I don't know. There's... I, I originally found the chiropractor when I first had Braylon. Um, because my pediatrician recommended to get her to sleep through the... Because Braylon was bad. Like, she wouldn't sleep. She threw up all the time. Ugh. She had an instant gag reflex, and she knew how to use it. She, you, nobody, I, nobody I can still think she's uh, on the scale somewhere of lactose intolerant. I've had her. Know. Because I'm, so Braylon threw up all the fucking time, all the time. Yes, but, okay, but caveat, they, they she said, did throw up all the time. They said she wasn't lactose intolerant. Yes, they said she wasn't. Um, she threw up all the time, but when she would throw up, it would be like, a chunk i don't know how to explain it it would be like if you take a kleenex and you get it wet and you just wad it up in your hand that's what her throw up would look like yeah it was like it looked like like a bunch of wipes like all her like all her milk would just curdle into this big ass ball and then she would throw up that chunk but that was only if she had like been drinking milk in the past hour or so but she threw up on command yeah whenever we try to put her in bed or she would cut yeah and the car seat oh my gosh so every time we put her in bed and she didn't want to go to bed like she wasn't tired or whatever but it was bedtime she would bang on the door and cry and then she'd throw up and that's that was like the the cue for us like shit okay we have to go in there and do something yeah Yeah. because we weren't just gonna let her like just roll around and and vomit car seat was the same thing the second she got in the car seat she didn't want to be in there so she threw a fit until she threw up because she figured out like, hey, if I throw up, they have to get me out of the car seat. 
because that's what we did every single time. Okay, let's get out of the car seat. Let's clean it up. We started just putting a blanket there so she could throw up and we could just ball up the blanket. <laughs> I, I have never felt so much stress as to when we had to get in the car with Braylon in the car seat. It was so, like, the anxiety built up because you you knew either she was going to scream and cry the entire time or she was going to throw up somewhere along the way. And there was nothing we could do. We gave her toys. We sat back there with her. The only thing that worked was either getting her out of the car seat completely. And then later on, we found out. The TVs. The fucking TVs. We got screens and we put them on the back of the headrest. And that was like a lifesaver. I don't give a fuck <laughs> what anybody says. They can judge us. They can say this. Like, hey, that's bad for your kid. I don't care. It stopped her from crying and it let her just relax in a car seat nothing worked no toys no bottles no food no no coloring books nothing yeah we tried literally everything and the screen and this was before giving kids a phone right yeah so it's like now we just had like you can hand a kid a phone and they'll go to town this was before that yeah so when she was like an infant, before all that stuff, that was when she was a toddler. But when she was an infant, um, yeah, she was like one or two when that. Yeah, when when she was tiny, like weeks, months old, her pediatrician was like, "Hey, if she's not sleeping good, you should try taking her to the chiropractor and see if it helps." And I was like, "What the hell? This dude's cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Like, what is he talking <laughs> about?" <laughs> um, like, why would I take my baby to the chiropractor? And the way he explained it to me was just like, just get in a fetal position and just stay there for nine months and then get up and try to let people stretch you out for all day to like put clothes on you and give you a bath and change your diaper six times a day and yeah, all these things. And your body just can't adjust because it's not like it's used to being in a ball. So I took her to the chiropractor for about two or three times, I think. And, oh, man, she slept through the night. Like, oh, perfect. And she slept through the night until she became a toddler. Like, through her infant stages, she slept through the night. I mean, she would yeah. wake up and eat and then go straight back to sleep. Um, and then we had to change her formula to, like, the whatever the gentle ease formula or whatever yeah, the time we the, had a, the special formula the fucking expensive formula the super expensive jesus formula. yeah that um, was the worst um and then yeah. what it was like almost 30 bucks per can that lasted like what? for the tiny cans yeah that lasted a few days yeah it was so ridiculous and then um and then we just did it for all the kids we took them all to the chiropractor yeah and it it helped so I I recommend everybody do it like take take their babies to the chiropractor when they're first born and just cuz it's like a mechanical pencil that they click on their back. Yeah. And it just like loosens. It do, I wouldn't say loosen, but it just aligns their spine to so it's not at that curvature of being in the fetal position so that they can be comfortable just laying. Cuz you know, now there's all these rules I like, don't put anything in the crib with them and lay them on flat on their back and it's like, oh I would be so uncomfortable sleeping like that as a grown fucking adult. Yeah. I can't imagine sleeping like that if I've slept in the fetal position for the past nine months and then now I have to lay flat on my back with nothing around me yeah. with my arms strapped to my fucking chest in a straight jacket. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I remember Elena though, like she hated being swaddled 
We can never keep that one wrapped up in a blanket. She's she's still like that. Yeah. She she don't even like to be covered up 90% of the time. No, she doesn't. Freaking kids. I mean, we have four of them. Um, it's kind of like sometimes I feel bad because we have four kids and we've never adopted. <laughs> um... I've thought about adoption a lot. Like I know you bring you bring it up because you've had baby fever a few times, and I'm like, no. I don't think I have baby fever. Um, when you get around a baby and you go cuckoo and you want a baby, that's baby fever. Let me see how to phrase this. I don't want a baby. Like I don't want to raise another child to adulthood. If that makes sense. Um, but I just think there's so many kids that just need somebody to love them and get them through the stages of, of just learning how to be a person. Yeah. And when I see like on the news or like just a family who got a babysitter and the babysitter left the baby in the closet to go party or mm-hmm. or the family left the baby in a dirty diaper for weeks at a time like that shit breaks my heart um and it's in those instances where i'm like you could do so like I, I could foster a baby until they until somebody else could adopt it and and it would be really really hard like i would really struggle with letting go of the baby to go up for adoption but I would know that I did my part to give that baby the best life it could have. The thing is, they don't always get adopted. That's the other hard part. But I think most infants do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have to look. Because I say that because I don't know about infants. Uh, like, I'd have to go look at statistics and whatnot. Yeah. And I can't imagine that they're extremely high because the process of adopt, adopting a child so is hard. is difficult in itself, which mm-hmm. is fucking stupid but uh so growing up my buddy's mom went into uh taking in foster kids and so there were kids coming in and out of that house uh on a monthly basis so there were always new kids coming in and other than one which i'm very close friends with None of them that I know of like got adopted, and they were yeah. they were ranging from seven year olds up to sixteen year olds and it's you're just it almost seems like for us for a short period of time you're just giving them a place to stay, and yeah, maybe you're yeah. trying to like teach them a few things or trying to you you know give them lessons or s- some kind of takeaways that they can take with them uh as they move on, whether they get adopted or they don't, but yeah. it's, it's just temporary and you don't know like where they're going to end up. Like if you can see them to adoption, that's great. But I mean, how many, uh, I don't know where I was going with that tangent, but it's, it's tough. It's hard when you get like, I mean, so I say infants get adopted and it's not always true because there's so many rules when you look at adoption, like they want families to stay together yeah. and infants are normally tied to other kids. And 
So maybe you want an infant, but you don't want the four-year-old that goes with the infant, you know, and yeah. and they don't want to separate the family. Um, and, and that stuff, it's just, it's a catch-22 because one, um, I'm not willing to sacrifice my own children to help someone else's. And that's very selfish of me to say that. It It is selfish, but I mean, that's that's the mindset because that's like my hang up, right? Yeah. If not, I'd be like, yeah, let's foster away. But when you start to think about fostering, because I've seen some of these kids, uh, so I know firsthand like yeah. what they're like and not all of them are good. Kids. Like yeah. some of them are just straight up, you know what? fuck the world right yeah. and and i could see where they're coming from because they've been in and out of all this place and people just shown them a lot of hate and whatnot but uh like bringing it, it it's a wild card yeah bringing a kid like that um and i don't know how the fostering process works whether you can be like hey i just want babies or hey give me anybody it from is, this and range. that's what makes me so frustrated is when you do the application because I signed up for respite care before, which is like, if you guys are interested in foster care, um, I can hook you up with a contact. So reach out if you're interested here in San Angelo. But yeah. And we're not trying to dissuade anybody from, no, is we're that not a word, dissuade? Dissuade, yeah. Like from fostering, like you should foster. If anything, yes. everybody needs to foster. It's just, it, our personal. Per personally, yeah. I don't want to do it right now. And it's because of our other kids, like, for one, we don't know uh we don't know what's coming into the house like or who's coming into the house and what their intent is or either they could be really great uh, a great person or it could be somebody that's just like, you know, fuck you. I, I'll destroy your house, I won't give a shit, right? Yeah. Or destroy your family and I don't give a shit. Or um the other side of that is it's taking time away from our kids. Yeah. Right? Um because when you foster, the way I see it, like you have to split your time you, between you, that kid as well. Yeah, you want to give that that kid time, but you also want to love the kid like they're your own kid, right? Yeah. Otherwise, why are you fostering? Yeah. Um. So that's that's what like I don't want to take the precious time away from our kids, and we have four, so like splitting time with them is it's difficult. Difficult. Um. And then also just the wild card aspect, like you don't you don't know what you're gonna get. And you'll do your best to like do right by that child, but you just you just don't know. Yeah. So once our kids are older, um, I wouldn't mind to foster. And I say older children, but I'm talking like in the five to eight year old ranges, right? Yeah. Um, but I just. I feel like I don't I don't have the capacity to um to do that type of I just think it would break my heart too much to like pour so much into a person for them to pretty much be like fuck off I don't care for anything that you've done for me. Yeah, that would be difficult. And you Especially know what? when they're old enough to tell you that. You know, like, I don't care that you've done this much for me. Yeah, and some of the kids that I saw go through uh, my buddy's house, they were like that. They're just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, you've gotten me some clothes. You you provided me a good place to stay. Or 
I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Basically, is, is what's happening. I don't give a fuck. And they just going about. And then a few weeks later, they're on to a new foster home or they've come of age, like they're on their own. So it, yeah. it's shitty. But uh, like even, like say you grow really close to some of those kids. Seeing them go is heartbreaking itself. Yeah. Like, like we, we bonded. We're like They're closest. part of the family. Yeah. You're part of the family as close as can be, but no matter what happens, maybe I can't adopt you and you have to leave. Yeah. Like, how do you go about that? I just, I think you have to go into it knowing, um, you have to go into it knowing that this isn't permanent. Yeah, but and I, that's hard. Like I I'm feel not. Like I'm in you, no way saying that's not hard. I feel like if you go in with that mindset, you're not gonna give the child everything. You're all. You're, I don't think so. I disagree. Because how many times you'd be like, "Well, this is just temporary, so fuck off," and that's like an extreme, right? Um, but or that's a bad example. But like, yeah, this is temporary, so. Um, because I'm not I mean, too worried about about you. Like, what if you get an infant, right? And and you, they're like, hey, we need. I wonder if people are gonna. We need a send foster us hate mail over this, and that's okay. <laughs> like, hey, what? Do, we need a foster family for this infant. They were just born. The parents signed away rights. We need you to come get it from the hospital tomorrow. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we're on the way. So we go. We pick up the infant from the hospital. And then they message us tomorrow and they're like, hey, there's a family lined up. Um, they're going to come get the baby in a week and a half. And then a week and a half comes and they're like, hey, the family fell through. They didn't qualify or they couldn't come up with the money for adoption because the money is absurd. It's like $30,000, yeah, twenty to $30,000 to adopt a child, right? So you're going through all this and it's like. It's not only just the money. It, okay. The process in itself is yeah. fucking ridiculous. So All the paperwork that you have to do, all the inspections that you have to pass, all the meetings that you have to go through with like evaluators and classes and all yeah. of it. But, I mean, you have to go through those same meetings and evaluations and all that to foster. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I think it's just an amazing process that I want to be a part of. Like, I want to foster. But I honestly, like... I just think being in the military um, and the possibility of moves and um, and PCSs, I just, I don't think it's the right time for us right now. And there's, and I hate that answer because there's never a, a good time, right? Yeah. But let, let's say we were fostering and we fostered a kid for three years and we grow, grew really close to them and they grew close to our kids and... And we go to move, and they're like, okay, we have to send them to another foster family because you're moving. How fucked up is that? And yeah, it's because yeah. something that's out of our control. Hey, like the yeah. military said, we had to move. Fortunately, you can't go with us. Yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff where I, that's the kind of stuff that holds me up. If it was, like, if we were civilians and we were here and it was just the kids, I would be like, hey, like, I think we really should explore the options of fostering. And I don't want, and by no means do I want to foster. Um, I want to foster like babies, like babies and young, very young children, like one-year-old, two-year-old infants. And I think it's because it's in those children, 
you can make the biggest impact. You can, you can build their morals and their values and you can, you can teach them right from wrong and you can show them, you know, like the world isn't bad. And I think it's, it's those kids who, who are in the system and they get in those, those crappy homes at those young ages and they grow up and they're like, Hey, like, from the youngest, from my earliest memories, like, nobody's been looking out for me. Yeah. Uh, so, I haven't, like, whatever you have to say, I've heard it all before. Like, fuck off. I don't want anything to do with you. Um, but when you get those little kids and you can mold them and you can, like, you can just set them on the right path. Like, hey, everything in life isn't going to be rainbows, but you are going to determine how your life outcome is. So, try to find good in everything you have and you set them up for that successful path. That's kind of where, where I want to go with fostering. And everyone has their own path. Like some people want the teenagers to, to try to set them up for success in life. Um, <coughs> at an older age, once they've gone through the traumas and, and I just don't think I would be successful at that because I just, I'm too emotionally attached. When you get teenagers, I feel like you have to be a hundred percent involved all the time solely in them Mm -hmm. because if not you're you're just going to lose them or you're just going to be another stop with no impact whatsoever i always just think about the movie with the nail gun in the foot the nail gun in the foot the adoption movie oh uh (laughs) Uh, Instant Family, I think is what it's called. Maybe. With um, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. Yeah. yeah I don't know. So. It, it's it's a, it's a lot of thought that needs to go into it. And I'm not a guy that puts a lot of thought into much things, into making a decision, but. I have. Like, I've put a lot of thought into it. I've done a lot of research on it. I've talked to people. I've talked to the people who, at our church, like, run the program. I've signed us, I mean, I told you, I signed us up for respite care, which I know I talked about that earlier, but that's care for foster families who are literally at their wits end. They're like, we just need a break. Um, Can someone watch the kids for the weekend and just let us regroup as a family without the foster kids? And then the foster kids can come back and reintegrate, Um, which I mean, that has its pros and cons, but um, we never... I uh, went through the background check. I don't think like we were supposed to. So we didn't. We were, <laughs> we were slacking. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think she ever emailed it to me either because I never reminded her. I need to reach out and do that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we could wrap it up there with uh, adoption and fostering. Man, that's a touchy subject. Yeah. And it's hard because you want to do everything that you can. Uh, like you want to save the world, but. It's fucking hard, man. There's only so much you can do as one person. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll stop it there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, if uh, you're liking what you're hearing, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast wherever it is you're listening to. Uh, babes. Peace out, Cub Scout. Peace out, Cub Scout. We'll see you all next week. Later. <laughs>